0: Tonight on MetroFocus, Student Mental Health and Why It Matters. More than one in three high school students report feeling persistent hopelessness, a 40% increase since 2009. And suicide has become the second leading cause of death for teens aged 15 to 19. And while today's students are facing unprecedented challenges in the realm of mental health, there is some good news on the horizon. There are now resources available to help families, students, and educators confront this crisis. Here at the WNET Group, we are committed to being part of the solution for our community. That's why we're pleased to announce a new online toolkit, specifically designed for New York educators, available free on PBS Learning Media, a dynamic website that offers educators access to thousands of resources from PBS stations and partners.
1: Teachers are called upon to address student mental health issues now more than ever. So we created a toolkit to help teachers promote student well-being with digital media and more.
2: Active listening is an incredibly important skill that you need as a teacher, educator, and as a parent.
3: Get to know your students and build community in the classroom.
1: Student Mental Health Matters features expert perspectives, student voices, and real-world strategies and solutions, including when to call in specialists. Free at pbslearningmedia.org slash mentalhealthmatters.
0: All this week, Metro Focus will bring you stories on mental health from a variety of perspectives. We'll hear families, students, and doctors discuss this urgent issue and explore emerging solutions starting tonight with the documentary, Anxious Nation, a mother and daughter's unflinching look at this growing crisis affecting our kids. MetroFocus starts right now.
2: This is Metro Focus with Raphael Ramon, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation,
1: the Ambrose Monell
2: Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin.
0: Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Rafael P. Roman. Many people in our society struggle with anxiety. That's probably no surprise given both the pressures of modern life and the constant weight of a world that sometimes seems to be falling apart at the seams. But what perhaps is surprising and even alarming is how hard anxiety is impacting American children, amounting to a mental health crisis that got considerably worse during the COVID pandemic. A new documentary called Anxious Nation explores this crisis through first-hand accounts of the often crippling impact anxiety can have on kids and their families. Here's a look.
3: It just makes my body just like stop everything that it's doing and just breakdown I was like hyperventilating I was like I can't
2: breathe I don't know what's going on and she was like I think you're having a panic attack
0: anxiety is like worrying about your shadow
1: I just you want know, to scream and being really upset and you just kind of start spiraling and you know, I pray about it I think about it I'm like what can I do what or what's the next solution how can I help him I didn't think anyone else was having the
3: same issues I was having and I didn't want to be judged
0: and joining us now are the filmmakers behind Anxious Nation, Academy Award-winning documentarian, Vanessa Roth, and New York Times best-selling author, Laura Morton, and Laura's daughter, Sebi Morton, who is one of the teens struggling with anxiety featured in the documentary. Welcome all of you. It's a pleasure to have you here with us.
1: Hello.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
0: So Thank let, let me ha- start with the filmmakers. Um, and Laura, maybe you can begin. What motivated you to do this film? And, and what does the film show you think that most of us do not know?
2: You know, I'm the parent of an anxious child. And in 2018, I was sitting at my desk one day and I was feeling incredibly defeated as a mom. I thought I was failing my daughter because she was really struggling with anxiety. And we had been dealing with it for years. She was, I think, 10 or 11 years old at the at the time. And it seemed like everything that we were trying just wasn't working. And I, you know, I, I felt really frustrated as a parent because I thought I was doing everything to help her. And so I put a post on Facebook, one line, kids in anxiety, who's dealing with it. And I was really surprised by the response that I got. On Facebook, I got, I am, we are, my daughter is, my son is. But it was the private messages that came in that really, really startled me because I thought what was happening in our home was only happening happening in our home and this was in 2018 where we really weren't talking about these things
0: mm-hmm. vanessa what got you involved in the film
1: um well i always like to sort of go back to the idea the the moment when laura asked me to be part of the film and i said no and i didn't want to be part of the film because i was also dealing with my own kids and all their friends that were just feeling so anxious and overwhelmed and again at that time you know this was long before COVID. but i had teenagers and at home and felt it was sort of too close to home for me and i just didn't want to do both my life at home and work around the same topic so i was just sort of over overwhelmed by the concept but when i did come back into it it was because at this point it was after we had been dealing with COVID and the challenges of that i had watched my kids and, you know, the peers of my kids, you know, my, my friend, my kids peers, sorry. Um, And things had just gotten so much worse for them. Um, So many things had just, you know, gotten to be some so overwhelming for them that I felt like it'd be sort of negligent for me not to be part of something that maybe could give some other parents some answers or some ideas. And I also love the idea that, you know, Laura had, gone into this with really wanting to go into the interior lives of kids and their parents and that was something that was unique and so it wasn't something um that was all just experts talking though we have experts in the film but it's really from the perspective of kids and families which i thought was really needed right now
0: so sevi uh laura said that that she noticed your anxiety when you're about 10 and 11. is that when it started for you Or did it start earlier and they just began to notice at 10 and 11? And what exactly was it that you were feeling? And how did you know that you weren't supposed to be feeling that?
3: Well, I think I would say that I first noticed my anxiety when I was a little bit younger, around seven. Um, I used to go to a summer camp and it was supposed to be this fun thing that, you know, kids enjoyed. I was with 12 other girls in this big summer camp where we were doing so many fun things. And I cried every day i wanted to come home i didn't want to be there and i think that's when i noticed that this wasn't normal because everyone around me was having such a good time and for some reason i couldn't have a good time so i i i think that's when it became most um prevalent for me that this wasn't normal and that what i was feeling it isn't supposed to happen
0: now laura when did you discover or when did you come to accept that this wasn't a passing phase well
3: you know i had
2: noticed the anxiety showing up in different ways when she was much younger i don't know that she was aware of it and so i had been trying to get Sevi help for many many years i think it really started in my mind it started right around the time she was three or four and i couldn't figure out what was going on and we took her to the pediatrician and the pediatrician said well it's you know maybe it's her diet And, you know, then we took her to a specialist, a gastroenterologist, and they said she needs more fiber. And, you know, and then I took her to a therapist and therapist like, she seems fine, you know? And so it took us, I would say solidly seven years to get an answer. It was really, I just wanted somebody to tell me what was going on, give me something. And, you know, that's what's so frustrating for so many people is, first of all, as one of the experts in our film says, it takes most families two to eight years to seek help. Wow. And that's really staggering for me. And it took us seven years to get an answer. So imagine, you know, if, if you're a family struggling and you really don't even know what you're struggling with, how frustrating that is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's awful. And you can see it. I mean, you can see the heartbreak on the kids. Uh, but also on, on the parents but listen you know a question that's raised early on uh, in your film by the therapists that are featured in your film is is whether this um, situation this phenomenon this crisis is is nature or nurture I mean is it a genetic predisposition or is it what families and societies are doing to the kids what's the answer Vanessa let me go to you
1: well, um, I love one of the therapists in the film, Lynn Lyons, I just always think of this because she said it's really, it's both. It's nurture and then the it's nature and then it's what you do with that nature is the mm-hmm. nurture. And I think that that to me is pretty profound because I think that happens both on the family level of how do we nurture our kids' nature, but then I see too, it's really on a societal level and a global level of how are we as a society actually nurturing our kids. And I think none of us are doing a great job at that and I don't blame parents for that, but I think that we don't have a lot of the skills maybe needed right now, especially to deal with all the things that are coming at kids the just just you know the the amount of information at all times to be you know there's that quote, the world is too much with us and yeah. that's kind of what I think it is, partly for kids it's that external part you know, and then it is the internal what they just come into the world mm. as. Uh, you know, naturally um, and how those two things combine. So I I do think it's both.
0: Well, well, let's talk about the nurture part, um, the uh, component to this. You know, families and societies have, of course, always been imperfect if in different degrees they have always had mixed results in the way they nurture uh, the young. What is it about us, about Americans or Westerners today uh, that makes us so imperfect appearance that we are creating a situation that's worse than ever. Laura?
2: Well, when I first set out to make the film, I one of the premises was that we had a generation of really anxious parents who never dealt and coped with, with their own anxiety. And that generation is now raising their kids to not feel like they feel, yeah. to not suffer the way that they suffer. And so in the process of doing what we think is coming from a really loving place and what we think is the right thing, I think we're doing more damage than good with our kids. I think we're contributing to the problem out of this notion that we don't want them to hurt. We don't want them to be in pain. We don't yeah. want them to, you know, so I think to me, I think that's one of the biggest issues around that. You know, look, you do have, some, you know, there is a nature part here where there are some kids, just as they you know, are born to be natural, you know, athletes or you know, musicians, they're born with a propensity to be more anxious, <laughs> but then if they're born into that, the likelihood is that their parents are very anxious, and so they're yeah. getting it from every which way, right? Yeah. And then you know, and then you, of course you you have you know situational anxiety, and you know for Sevi, for example, you know t- school shootings are a big you know a big thing that triggers her anxiety, <laughs> and these kids are growing up with with things that like we didn't. It's, you know, eco-anxiety. They worry about, you know, the, they worry about the climate change. They worry about if they're going to, you know, if somebody's going to shoot up their school. Like, that's a lot. And and the anxiety is a natural reaction. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I I recently heard a comedian podcaster um, uh, say in an interview that it really does take a village to raise a child, but that unfortunately, the The people in charge of the village nowadays, at least in this country, are the village idiots and the village (laughs) villains. The people that uh, brought us to the brink of of ecological disaster and then want to scare us half to death about it. The people who brought us pointless wars, you know, a great recession and perhaps uh, a coming Great Depression once again and a bunch of other such delights. is that fair? I mean, are, are 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 we contributing to this not only because, you know, we're parents and flawed, but because we have a uniquely flawed system of governance? Huh.
2: do we ever. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, when I first set out to make the, the Anxious Nation, the question that I was asking in 2018 was, are we more anxious or are we just more aware of it? And in t- you know in 2023 that's kind of a moot question. Post COVID, I don't think anybody would argue that we are now a significantly more anxious nation. We were already in a crisis in 2018, and and you know our government has been aware of this crisis for decades. It's been the proverbial kick- kicking of the can that's brought us to this place that that we are at. So even federal, state, local level we just don't have the resources to meet the demand. You know, we had all of these amazing talk about it campaigns in, you know, the, the, the 20 teens, Right. And they worked. We sent a bunch of kids off to college who went, you know, to their, um, their college uh, mental health center seeking help and the onslaught that no one was prepared for the onslaught, hey. you know, before COVID it, there was a, on average a three to 12 week wait time on college campuses to get an intake appointment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for a student who is suffering and didn't know where to turn, three to 12 weeks is an impossible number for them to digest, yeah. to be able to, to work through this
3: mm-hmm.
2: with no
1: tools and no resources. I uh-huh. yeah, was gonna add to that just that I think that the thing is that kids are right to be anxious. I mean, it would sort of be, A little bit of a disconnect if they weren't anxious with kind of again all the things that they're having to to live with and i think that's where to me the film and why i ended up really getting involved and wanting to do it was that so we acknowledge that and we understand that and we know that and so what are we going to do about that because the all the things that are pressing down on our kids internally and externally are not going to change we're not going to necessarily solve or we're not (laughs) going to solve all those things and suddenly life is going to feel calm and and simple. Um, We have a complex world and people are complex individuals. So it's more like Laura had said, it's looking at what resources do we have now for kids and for ourselves as parents too. how do we start coping ourselves and learning some tools and learning some ways to live together through, you know, these different generations and helping each other and becoming a better village.
0: But, but you know related to that aside from the particular stimuli that are hitting us and the way uh, our leaders are dealing with it and and the resources available what about the, the the argument that the fundamental problem is that uh at some point we in this country and in the west in general uh began to assume a mistaken philosophy of life you know again and again the therapist that that you feature in the film basically echo um all the all the, the the ancient philosophies and religions that tell us the world is difficult, that life is difficult, that life is often painful, and that the way to to transcend that, to get serenity and to get happiness, even is to develop a resiliency, uh, an ability to deal with that, you know, to to, to seek happiness despite the uh, the realities, but instead, you know, as as uh, Pema Chodron, a, a, a Buddhist teacher and writer, uh, said very amusingly, "You know, we're in a point where we believe in are teaching our children that if we don't want to hurt our feet, we should cover the world with leather instead of putting on our shoes. Is, is that fair? Is, is there a point to that? Is that accurate?" Vanessa?
1: Uh, I, I just, I mean, I'll say just my looking at looking at my own children and their friends again. Look as they've been as they've been growing up, I have found so much truth in the idea of searching for your own meaning and purpose and feeling needed and you know wanted and part of something becoming part of some kind of community you know using that anxiety and that energy and putting it into something that means something to you and I you know one of my daughters um, is now a teacher, um, the other's a songwriter and i have a son who's you know, trying to figure out what he's interested in but i see that their their moods and their feelings about themselves just improve so much when they actually are sort of giving something you know contributing something to something that matters to
0: them laura you want to add
2: yeah you know i think that um i think that you know statistically we are a lonely disconnected community right now or not not a community where so loneliness isolation disconnection is such a big piece of this right even in a world where our kids feel so connected you know through their devices or however they they connect right. with their friends they're not really connecting in person with their
0: friends right that's
2: sure and you know so i think that that that's a really big piece of the equation and i think what we've had is this falling away of community and we know, for example, that our kids have a spiritual hunger, but they've turned away from their parents' religion. Hmm. And so, you know, historically, the church, the synagogue, you know, the mosque, wherever it is that you, you worship was the place that you would go to connect with other people. And as Tim story says in our film, we were never meant to be singular. We were meant to be plural. Yeah. And it really is about community. And one of the reasons that we're, you know, so excited about this film is because you know it's it's about creating a community around something we all share in common yeah. and and you know to to take the shame and the stigma out of it so that it's okay not to be okay
0: well let's talk about that shame and stigma because a lot of the uh, therapists that uh, in your film and, and I've interviewed uh, at, at least one of them in the past um, who, who who focus on who really make an issue of the the, the problem of stigma how it exacerbates the initial anxiety but Savvy, let me go to you. to To what degree, were you can did you feel that your anxiety was was a problem? That did, did that your fear that your peers would uh, would know about your struggles with anxiety made that anxiety worse. Was that a reality for you?
3: I would say at some point. Um, lately, no, because mean, me and my peers we are so open about it, and everybody around me. And I've noticed lately at school that um, everybody's so open about their mental health struggles, which is a really good thing. And we have like, um, mental health week, and we have all these things at my school um, that talk so openly about mental health. But when I was younger, I would, I would definitely Yeah, I would say for sure, because um, I didn't know how to really communicate what I was feeling. So I obviously didn't want people to judge me for it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, as the, the the stigma dissipates, it's not gone, but as it dissipates and people are more willing to to talk about it, I wonder if those kids that you said when you were younger, you knew you had a problem because they seemed so happy. I wonder if when the stigma disappeared, you found out that maybe they weren't as happy as they appeared to be.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I noticed that now because I'm still friends with some people um, mm-hmm. from when I was younger. And I know, and I kept going to that same summer camp for multiple years and I, I could see how everybody's feelings progressed.
2: Mm-hmm. Interestingly,
3: I wanna, so I wanna bring something into that. And that is that
2: there are some communities where the shame and stigma still exists yeah. deeply. And it's really important, you know, where, where a mental health issue is considered weakness, you know, and it's really important that we work very hard to help those communities Mm. move through, you know, the black and brown communities have a lot of um, shame and stigma around mental health, but they also have a lot of distrust of the medical system in general in this country. And so I think that it's a it's it's important. Is it getting better? I think it's getting better. I think, you know, we have um, a really great, diverse cast that talks about it. But there are lots of communities that simply don't talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, so and and thank you know, thankfully, people like Taraji P. Henson is out there advocating mm. and, you know, for but anyway, for me, there was so much eye opening mm. discoveries as we were making this film. You know, we talk about Sevi, Sevi School has these programs, but there are schools that don't have those programs. There are schools that don't have counselors or nurses. And so what what's happening to those kids? This is the thing that I you know that keeps me up at night,
0: so you know before I saw your film, if somebody had asked me what the role of social media is in this exploding uh, anxiety among children, I would have said it's probably the whole story. But learning, as I did through your film, that this anxiety happens so young among these kids that uh, it you know it makes me think that no, maybe not. What's the answer, Vanessa?
1: I don't know if I have the answer, but I'm sort of laughing because my son, who's 11 and knows when I'm talking about the film, he says, don't be one of these adults that say it's just social media, because actually <laughs> that's where I am connecting with my friends through certain things. I'm not talking about things where you're just looking at sort of strangers, you know, um, feeds or whatever, but actually his friends that he does know at school. And he's like, this is how we talk to each other. That's not contributing to my anxiety <laughs> He is very you know, adamant about that. And I can have my own opinion about that. But um. Uh to me, you know, like I said earlier, I do think part of that is just the constant, um, you know, the these just little bits of things that are just sort of going into your head all the time from all over the world and just how to even process and integrate that into just your life. I think there's that part, just that, stimulus, yeah. you know, constant stimulus. But um, but I think that, like Laura had said, too, um, you know, there's 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 history of systemic, you know racism and there's there's you know there's a, obviously there's a there's the history of how we judge people who are are different from ourselves and there's all these things that i think that uh, when the social media st- stuff starts exacerbating whatever messages you know and and it's again hard i think to um to really filter through all of that um, but i don't think it's the whole story it's clearly not the whole story yeah. and it starts younger and uh oh one other thing i was just going to quickly bring up to when sev were talking about camp i know and shame i know one of my daughters when she was in high school would get she's very much of an introverted kind of kid and gets very anxious about social situations so a lot of times she wouldn't go to a party or something that friends were having and she sort of felt that, kid, that her friends didn't understand. She felt that they kind of were thinking that she just didn't want to be with them. They felt so sort of rejected by it. And they didn't understand what a big deal it was for her to be able to get out of the house and to go to that party. Like, it was huge for her to be able to do that. And I think, like Sevy said, when you get a little older and start talking to your friends and realizing, like you just said too, Rafael, that um, they actually were going through it too. And suddenly it doesn't become it's not so different anymore and it's actually pretty normal
0: and you know we, we just have about three or four minutes and i want to get Sevi into this because i know in your film in the film you talk about social media and how you begin to worry about do i have enough followers do i uh, you know and i imagine cyberbullying is an issue i mean i remember when i was a kid how much we hated to be bullied but now it's you know it's 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 you know completely <laughs> open to everybody to what degree If it didn't cause it, to what degree did social media exacerbate your anxiety?
3: Well, I think there's many key factors that goes into this. It's not the core of my anxiety. I know that. We know that. But I would say it definitely does contribute. And I know when I don't have my phone, when I don't have social media, as much as I hate to say it, I'm a happier person. Um, But I would say I've never gotten affected by cyberbullying, luckily, but I know people who have. And I know what kind of core effect that takes on you, whether it's somebody um, commenting on yeah, your looks, commenting on like your smarts, whatever it might be. You take that with you, you hold that on. Like you think about that for a really long time. And even if it's a random stranger, the effect that a random person can have on someone is insane.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Metro Focus. You can take our award-winning program with you wherever you go with MetroFocus the podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Or simply ask your smart speaker to play Metro Focus, the podcast. Also available at metrofocus.org, wliw.org slash radio, and on the NPR One app.